0: So today, uh, I want to I talk about being thirsty. Y'all ever been thirsty? I mean, I've been, I've been thirsty before. I mean, it's 94 degrees out, and you're cutting grass, you know, but it hadn't rained in a while, and you've know, you got all that stuff in your nose, and it's all over your face, and you got to take a shower and take a shower. Then the bottom of the showers shower is brown, and your mouth is dry, and you just want something cold to drink. And there are men in the room right now that heard this. I'm just saying, I got it, all right? But I'm just saying, you know, what we got to learn to do is figure out what to do when you get thirsty. I I have discovered it in the Bible, water pops up everywhere. I mean, it's, it's all through the Scriptures. Back to the book of the Revelation. Again, the Spirit and the Bride, the Spirit of God, and the Bride of Christ, the church, Say, come, let anyone hears this, say, come. The Holy Spirit is joined with the church in calling out the words with generous encouragement to all who are thirsty. And you say, well, Chuck, I'm not thirsty, I got coffee in my hand. Well, now we're talking about a spiritual thirst here. We're talking about a deep longing spiritual thirst. And Isaiah, the prophet in chapter 55, verse one says this, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. I like that one. Like for the week after Christmas, that one's appropriate, right? It's like, even if you have no money, y'all come on. Take your choice of wine or milk, it's all free. Now, you're in with me on this one, right? And most of you said, I'll take wine. I, I got it. I mean, I saw how you voted for sales here in Sugar Hill. I know what's going on around here, all right? So, you listen to the last part of Isaiah 55.1. These words of grace are the last words to the world. You remember what the words are? If you're thirsty, come on. This is the words that Jesus gives to me and you. If you're lacking something, needing something, wanting something, desiring something, come to me. This is where you're going to find it. So as the storyline of scripture progresses though, we encounter all kinds of things about water. A river running through the garden of Eden in Genesis 2 maybe we see a 40-day flood and torrential rain that annihilates the earth in Genesis. We rejoice when God parts the Red Sea. I mean, we look at all these things. We fi- find the water and rituals of ordination in, in Leviticus in purification and purification in Numbers. We envision the prominence of water in the promised land. In Deuteronomy 8, 7, it says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and the hills. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus meets the the woman at the well what does he say can you give me a drink and she's thinking well people like you don't even talk with me and then he says but I can give you a wellspring of life that will be within you and that spring of life will well up in you and it will it will cause you to find contentment and joy on and on this thread of thirsty goes through the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the Old Testament famine and drought and desperate times. And in the New Testament where Jesus discusses again the woman at the well and later assures his disciples in Matthew chapter 25, whenever someone is thirsty and you give that person a drink, you have done it for me. I mean, come on, we find that water in Jesus' are very intricately connected. The story of God is intricately connected inside all of this that we are with water, knowing that most of us as we're built internally as water. We need it. When we don't have it, we're in trouble. Why would God decide to speak to us through the metaphor of thirst so much? I mean, maybe one reason is that all of us without, sex, without, without any exception, we need water to live. None of us can live without water. We all need it. So when God wants to get our attention, thirst can serve as a readily available, universally acceptable tool. It's not pleasant to be thirsty. Your mouth gets dry and your lips get parched and then your mind starts to wander. And before long, I mean, thirst itself isn't the cause of difficulty. It's the symptom. It's an indication your body may have already lost 2% of its water content. And all of a sudden you're struggling with this. And as such, thirst signals an important message. It says, take notice. Water is needed here in this soul. Thirst enables you to recognize something that that is vital. And it's something that's missing in your life. And it triggers the impetus to address and satisfy that need. Let me just stop and say, that's why thirst is a blessing. It is telling your body you need something. The same I really do believe is true for spiritual thirst. When our souls feel parched, I'm apart from God. I don't feel like I'm walking with God. God, I'm not deserving of God. I mean, how could God love someone like me? How could somebody mess up as much as I have? How, how is it this could all happen? When our souls feel parched, this spiritual thirstiness raises a red flag in our soul and it says, things are not okay for you. You need me. And he says, come to me. Jesus says, come to me. Listen to me, church. There is nothing wrong at all. I don't care what preacher this afternoon on TV tells you this. There is nothing wrong at all with you chasing after your dreams, your desires, your hopes. There's nothing wrong with that. You want a bigger house? Knock yourself out. You want a boat this year? Knock yourself out. You want a better job? Knock yourself out. You want to find a spouse? Knock yourself out. Whatever those dreams and hopes are, there's nothing wrong with them. But watch this and hear me today. Unless those things fall under the banner of Jesus the Lord and you come to him, you will be thirsty even if you attain them. Well, Chuck, I want to be radically fulfilled. Well, maybe your relationship with God is already suffering from spiritual dehydration. I mean, you're facing a genuine need possibly, and God's presence and power in your life just doesn't seem like it even exists. When when a preacher talks about it, you think, well, why does that never happen in my life? So you pay attention to thirst, and as such, spiritual thirst, while making us uncomfortable, is also a good thing because it reminds us that that red flag is there for a purpose. If we acknowledge our thirst, it can compel us to seek God's grace-filled living water, a search that will ultimately lead to a deeper relationship and walking side by side with the God of all creation. He wants to be with you. He wants to take you beyond all those dreams, all those aspirations, all those things you desire. He wants to give all that to you. But listen to me, friend. He's not going to let you experience the peace and the power and the presence of God himself until you put them all under the banner of Jesus the Lord. At all. You say, well, Chuck, I had a great year. I made a lot of money. I mean, why am I still struggling? Because we still have yet to put it under the banner of Christ. What do we say every week? When you get Jesus and the right priority of your life, the rest of life will get right. So all those things you want to achieve, go after them. Chase after them. Listen, do, I mean, go do all the stuff you want to do this year, but put it under the banner of Christ and put him first. When you put him first, all those things will come into order. But until you do... Even if you attain them, you're not satisfied, you're not content, and happiness is a brief blip on the screen because you need life-changing joy. But Chuck, what about spiritual dehydration? If you become spiritual thirsty, how would you know it? I mean, how do I know that I'm spiritually dehydrated, Chuck? I believe it is an emotional exhaustion that you feel. Like any of you feel like, okay, I just can't take it anymore? I can't take. I can't take my spouse. I can't take my kids. I can't take my job. I can't. The, I, the world's driving me crazy. I just feel like I'm angry at everybody. I'm, I'm just emotionally shot. That's red flag number one: that you are spiritually dehydrated. Because when you see the world through a lens of anger, resentment, and bitterness, it is because that, that those things have taken over the place that Jesus wants to hold. He said, well, so "Why is the world so angry? Why, I, I'm angry that the world's angry. Then get Jesus." to replace those in your soul. And I'm going to tell you a few ways on how you do it, but I I want you to think about this. What if all your joy and your enthusiasm for life is simply evaporated away and you're just going through emotions? What if that's true in your marriage or with your relationship with your kids or with your family or maybe with the people you work with, your friendships? Then I would say that's a red flag that's saying you are spiritually dehydrated. You know, when I'm right with God, I'm right with my wife. I'm right with my kids. I'm right with the people I work with. And my relationships are healthy. And when I'm not right with God, all of those suffer. You say, well, Chuck, I I, I just don't know if that's true. I'll promise you it's true because God made the promise. He said, come on to me. Drink. I've got it. A recent study said only, uh, that only 14% of Americans reported feeling very happy at one point during the year. 14%. Man, that's a lot of people that are unhappy. As our happiness plummeted, listen to this, alcohol consumption spiked. By June 2021, sales of alcoholic beverages had increased by 34% over the previous two years. Women and children under age five in the household increased their alcohol consumption by 323%. Okay, now hear me. Mama, you were stuck at home trying to work, trying to take your kid, and every night it was just like one glass of wine turned into a bottle or three. Because 323% growth of mamas with children under the age of five in the household, alcohol consumption increased by 323%, most of it after 5 p.m. because it was 5 o'clock somewhere for you and you just couldn't take it anymore. You know why? Because Jesus isn't in the right priority of your life and you're looking for something to numb all the junk that's going on in your life and Jesus says, I don't want you to numb it, I want you to live it. Now, hear me, that's not a message about alcohol. That's about putting something ahead of Jesus. That's all that is, right? I mean, hear me, I'm not here to bust you on your glass of wine at night. I honestly couldn't give a rip, all right? You know what I don't want you to do? I don't want you to miss out on the goodness of God by putting it ahead of him. That's what I want. We feel no longing for God sometimes and have no particular interest in spiritual things and thus we feel no need to stop whatever we're doing to embark on a quest for living water because we are just so dehydrated, we don't even know we need it. Did you know that your body, when you get so dehydrated that your brain will convince you there is no water and you won't drink? I mean, even when it's readily available, the same is true for us spiritually. When we have spiritual thirst, if we consistently ignore our thirst for God, our soul begins to assume there's no living water available. God doesn't care. I can't go anywhere. I have no hope. Tomorrow's never going to be better. My life's never going to change. You know how many times I hear that in my office? Things are never going to be any better. Then here's my question. Where is God in the priority of your totem pole of life? well, Chuck, you know, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to get his word into my life. And you know what I'd say? Then nothing's going to change because nothing's willing to change in your life. And if you're not willing to try to put God in the right priority of your life, why would you think things are going to get any better? I mean, this is kind of a simple math. If God's not here, all this stuff ain't going to be right. But everything up here, if God's down here, it's going to be a mess. And you see, you look at that and you say, we can be so dehydrated spiritually but no longer even realize it. Instead of ignoring our thirst, we can recognize it and we can give it our full attention. God, you see, made a promise in Jeremiah 29, 13. Listen to this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now watch this. The prophet Jeremiah is making it so simple. When you are thirsty, go to the source of living water when you are dry and parched spiritually, go to the source of living water. Now, what is that living water? It is Jesus himself. It is not church, it's Jesus. It is not a mission trip, it's Jesus. It is not taking care of hungry people, it's Jesus. All those things, you don't come to church because it's the right thing to do, you come to church because you're thirsty and you need a drink from Jesus. That's why we're a Jesus is enough kind of church. A growing body of evidence finds even mild hydration, dehydration. Let me say it all over again. Spent $1,000 on my eyes and my mouth messed up. <laughs> a growing body of evidence finds even mild dehydration, listen to this, can affect a person's ability to focus and concentrate. Any of y'all having trouble with that? Spiritual high dehydration is the same thing. We who are thirsty and do not seek to take a drink of living water are going to struggle in every aspect of our life because we're not filled with the living water of God's presence. And you say, but Chuck, what's the core of this you're trying to say? Well, let me me try to pull this thing to an end in the next few minutes. I want to ask you this question. What are you hungry for in 2023? In a few weeks, we're going to do Rock Sunday. And if you've been around Sugar Hill Church for a few years, you know we do this every year. You know we have these little flat rocks and sharpies and you kind of pick a word you're going to move for. Like my word this this year is intentionally. I want to do everything intentionally. I I want to be focused, I want to concentrate, I want everything to have purpose, but I want that purpose to be where I know that I can put my head on a pillow at night and know I intentionally went to live for Jesus today. So whatever your word is, we're moving toward that. You say well, well Pastor, I'm, I'm thirsty for financial gain or greater influence or a better job or a career or my, uh, uh, my marriage to be healed or to find somebody to share my life with. Listen, whatever you're thirsty for, that's not the issue. The real issue is as we chase after things like, weight loss or better health or happier lives or contented children. It doesn't start with goal sheets. It doesn't start with new planners. It doesn't start with new ink pens. It's not found in greater productivity or a better planning tool, no matter how many of them are being sold to you on Instagram. It is determined by what you are most thirsty for, period. Because you can have all of Jesus you want. We will wish each other a happy new year, all the while wishing we could do more and wishing for happiness. And it turns out we can have it, but only if we look in the right place. Listen to this. According to the American Psychological Association survey, more than a quarter of Americans say that they're so stressed most days that they cannot function. And more than one in four Americans report feeling serious anxiety or depression. That's us, y'all. This is, this is not people out there in Paducah, Kentucky. This is us, right? This, this is not New York City. This is Sugar Hill, Georgia. It is true here. Just look across the room. One, two, three, four, messed up. One, two, three, four, messed up. One, two, ooh, three and four messed up, <laughs> right? And you know what the problem is? In our hearts, we know we're all messed up. I'm, listen, I'm the most messed up in the room. But now watch this psychologists advise when we're in that position, listen to this, this is psychologists now, this this is not the Bible, this is psychologists, that we need to seek seven rests, R-E-S-T-S. We need to seek seven rests, you ready? Physical, mental, sensory, emotional, social, creative, and listen to the last one, and spiritual. That last one literally means this, connecting on a deeper level with something greater than ourselves. Does that sound familiar? To anybody who comes close to the presence of Jesus, something greater than ourselves, the one who said that apart from me, you can do nothing, yet in me, you could do all things. This is who I'm talking about. Our lives are often built like a chest of drawers. I mean, this drives me bat crazy about Christians. I mean, truly, it just drives me bat crazy. We we take our life like a chest of drawers. And do you, you know what the top drawer is like, right? I mean, let's just say this one's beside your bed. I mean, it's got all the junk that you didn't know what to do with, but you didn't want to throw it away. So by the end of the year, you think, dear Lord, I have got to clean this out. But guess what? Next year, it's going to look just as bad because you never cleaned it out. It's just full of junk. And you know, when somebody says, I got one of those... I got, I, got, I, I got a thing, and you go through, and then you're so frustrated, you start slinging junk around, and then it gets on the floor, and then you get mad, and you think, what is wrong with this place? Why can't I get it all together? Because you got a junk drawer, and you're living in it. <laughs> Forgive my rant. I, that's my home. <laughs> but then we got these next drawers, and, you know, we put, we put you know, like the under drawers and socks you know, and T-shirts. and we got our jeans, you know, and our britches and our sweatpants. And, you know, then at the bottom, we got the fat clothes. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, some of y'all have been healthy. You've never had that in your life. Like in my, in my house, like I, I got like I'm healthy. I'm not so healthy. I'm just really fat, right? I got whole three sections, right? You know, we, what we do with our spiritual Chester drawers is we put all our junk in the top. We put, our, we put our Bibles in the second one, and occasionally we pull them out to go to church, but most of the time we forget. Or honestly, we just don't even think about them. They're just there. I mean, you know, they got the little thing, you open it up, and mom or daddy gave it to you back in 1984, and I mean, it's got so much dust on it, you could cut grass. You know, and then we, we've, we've got the other stuff in the drawers, you've got the pictures, you know, of the all the different stuff in a history and you got your wedding album in the bottom one and you got those sweatpants that you wore in high school that let's face it, you're never going to wear those again but you just can't throw them out. Are you with me? And every now and then we get Jesus to have just this little spot in our chest of drawers and we make him one little part of the drawer like all the rest of that is equal. Christian folks often have this specific drawer for Jesus. For, for some it's low placed way down it might get open once a week or maybe every other week and, and then maybe just on Sunday morning and for others especially those who are walking with God that Jesus drawer is big and it's at the top of the cabinet is on well-oiled rollers and friends I believe we need to give Jesus the top shelf if we're going to go beyond anything we ever hoped or imagined we got to give Jesus the top shelf he shouldn't share it with anybody He shouldn't share it with anything. He shouldn't share it with our pride. He shouldn't share it with our church. He shouldn't share it with our activity because he alone is worthy. He is the one that gives us life. He is the one that gives us abundance and he is the one that gives us heaven. Bless God, give him the highest spot of your life. You want a 2023 to be amazing, then do that. And while we have a Jesus drawer, others don't. And it's one drawer among many and that's wrong, y'all he deserves better than just being a part of that. So if we want happiness for ourselves and others in the coming year, we need to be able to travel this ancient pathway that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 37, four. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, watch this, the desires of your heart. I mean, God de- God's not afraid of your desires, y'all. He knows what they are. But if you put Jesus in the top shelf of your life, I promise you, he will make those desires so wonderful, so gracious, so awesome, that he will grant them for you, but you've got to let him. As long as you put them above him, the joy of having them counts for nothing. And most of them are never attained. You say, well, Chuck, how do you do it? Well, listen to what the psalmist said again in Psalm 37, verse five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Now, God did not make this complicated. Look at it again. When you, take your finger again, you ready? When I, say when I, when I commit my way to the, Lord, to the Lord, good stuff happens. Good stuff happens. That's my version listen, your way in the original Hebrew refers to your journey. When you commit or surrender your journey to God, to act in ways that give you the desires of your heart, C.S. Lewis put it this way, God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing One of my favorite authors, James Clear, wrote this. You just need to have the courage to eliminate everything that doesn't directly feed what you really want. So the question remains, what do you want? What do you want in 23? Well, Chuck, I want all kinds of things. I've I've got a list a mile long. Then commit your ways to the Lord and put him in the top shelf and watch what he does with all those. Or you can look back a year from now and say, I wish I would have. And my prayer for you, friend, is that you don't have to look back and say, I wish I would have, but you would look back a year from now and say, bless God, he did. He did. I look at all that God's done around this place and in my life in the past year when when Zach said, what are you grateful for? I thought, I can't be more grateful for all God's done in and around my life. And listen to me. What amazes me is I didn't deserve any of it. I didn't deserve Jack. I'm telling you, I, I don't deserve any of that blessing. But when you put Jesus in the right order of your life, you will be blown away by what He does for you, cause He loves you. The psalmist said, "Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires." Commit everything to, who? Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. Your call, same old, same old, or fresh start. Full of life, energy, based solely on your choice and your actions. What are you thirsty for in 23? Do you want to go beyond? Because if you want to go beyond all things in this new year, if you want what Paul writes in this promise God made in Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God. Listen to this. Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, listen, infinitely more than we might ask or even think. Bless the Lord. I want that for you. I want it for me. I want it for us. Because when that happens, we will rightly prioritize Jesus above all other desires. He will get the top shelf of our life. And then watch how it all comes into place. Take the light in the Lord, my friend, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. And you say, well, Chuck, I just need a few to-dos to help me. All right? Well, next week you get that prayer card. So get your hind parts back in here next week, 9, 30 or 11. Okay? Tomorrow morning, listen to the weekday podcast. Bobby and I, every morning, we give you a piece of scripture. We give you short commentary. All through this week, we'll give you a little meditation to help you work your way through that. Make sure that you're a part of what starts Wednesday week called Sugar Hill Midweek. We're going to gather, and we're going to literally just pray down heaven. We're going to ask you to join us and pray your guts out. Worship a little bit, have a little scripture, and it's just prayer. Like hardcore God, we want to find out everything you want for us. You'll learn more next week. And then, friends, listen don't forget to get scripture in your life. I mean, just pick up the book of Proverbs. I mean, read, read the chapter that goes along with the day. Today's January one, read Proverbs one. It's really that simple. But every time that you make an intentional choice to chase after God, I'll promise you, your life starts changing rapidly in the right direction. But you make that choice. What is it you really wanna chase after? What are you thirsty for in 2023? Because if you want to go beyond, you got to put Jesus in the top shelf. And maybe today you're here and you say, Chuck, I've never done that before, but here's how it works. It's pretty simple. The Scripture says just call on the name of the Lord. Not join a church, not give money, not stop doing whatever you're doing, not dress a certain way, just call on the name of the Lord. Chuck, I don't even know how to call on the name of the Lord. I just, I, I don't get it. It's just simple. Jesus, I know I've messed my life up. I've made some bad decisions, but I need you. Would you forgive me? I need you to come live inside of me. I need to turn my life around and live for you. And I, I want to admit, Jesus, and thank you that you died for me and you rose from the grave so that I could have life. And Would you give me that life? Would you give me that spring of living water that would well up in my soul so that I could go far beyond this year? and I'm gonna put you at the top of my life. And if that's the desire of your heart today, my friend, then it's this simple. You choose tomorrow to do exactly what the scripture said, commit your way into the Lord and watch him help you. Some of you, you've given your life to Christ and you've never been baptized yet because it's like I don't need to do that, but Jesus said, Make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some of you aren't part of a group. Jesus said, and then teach them all these things that I've taught you. So I encourage you, friend, listen, commit your way into the Lord. Your journey this year, commit your way to the Lord and watch what he will do in changing your life in such a radical, wonderful way. Let that be your testimony today. Let that be your testimony. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your kindness, for your love. Lord, when the spirit and the bride say come, we can almost see you with open arms. Lord, we're thirsty today and we come to you and we wanna drink freely from the water of life. So Lord, would you do what only you can do and let our testimony be your faithfulness and your joy your goodness and your commitment, your contentment, your presence and your power. And Lord, as your word says in the book of the Revelation, he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon, even so, amen, come, Lord Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's worship real quick before we go home. Dead, come on, church. Come. Come, on. Oh, come on, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Come on, sing it, church. still breathing. He's not done with you.
1: This is my testimony. From death to life. I'll testify. i this, this is my testimony. testimony.
0: year let us go beyond beyond all things let's put him in the top drawer of our life let's make him the biggest deal of all time he is worthy of everything and more than you could ever do for him because he is who gives you life he is who brings you hope he is who shows up and delivers for you he is your life Woo! he is worthy before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Come on. Let him go within you. Bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. That's good. But it gets better because when things get difficult, let him come behind you and pick you up. Come on now. Let him carry you through the middle of all your junk, not around it. Set you down victoriously on your feet. Wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. Wrap you up with his big loving arms. I love this part. And then your Savior looks at you eyeball to eyeball and he says, my child, say it with me. I love you. Woo!